Welcome to A Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week, we're discussing the pilot episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, Encounter at Farpoint, Parts 1 and 2. I figured I would share a, just a little bit of production history on it. Mm-hmm. So, this pilot aired in 1987 with 27 million viewers. Star Trek was still the studio's most popular syndicated television show, and the Harv Bennett films had done well at the box office. But as the movies were being produced, Nimoy and Shatner's salary demands made the studio think that returning to TV with unknown actors might be more profitable. At first, Gene Roddenberry declined to be involved, but then some early concepts made him unhappy, so he changed his mind. And this is also when he decided that going forward into the future, after the original Star Trek, there wouldn't be any more workplace interpersonal conflict. And as we remember from Star Trek Discovery, that was a point that was hotly contested. A lot of people felt Discovery was breaking away from Roddenberry's vision about the interpersonal work conflict. But since this predates the original Star Trek, I think that they were wrong. Well, I actually think they're right that it does break away from Roddenberry's vision. But I don't think that they were wrong to do that. Okay. Yeah, I also kind of agree with that. I think that Roddenberry was a little unrealistic about the basic nature of humanity, that we would just be able to all work happily together. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that a lot of the major conflicts would be gone, but there's still going to be personality conflicts and just style differences and how people work. And and there was interpersonal conflict in this. Yeah, actually, there was. And we can talk about that when we get more into uh, discussing the pilots. And mm-hmm. this is going to be actually the first of a series where we discuss the pilots. Uh, so we're going to be discussing the pilots for all of the Star Trek shows uh, sort of spread out over our hiatus. So Mm -hmm. we're starting off with Next Generation and we're going to go in episode in order of air date. So Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and then possibly Enterprise. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm afraid that we only go down from here. And this was... I would Already argue not not, that not great. It was not great. See, I would argue that the pilot of Deep Space Nine is actually, you know, the still point? good. The high point. Okay, okay. And that we possibly go down from there. Though I've only seen the Voyager pilot once, and I remember thinking fondly of it when it first aired. Okay. So I don't know. We'll see how we like them. Okay. Uh, announcements. Yes. Uh, So, a long time ago, we were asking for ideas for other sci-fi movies to uh, talk about during the show Hiatus. And a whole bunch of people gave us suggestions. And I was going through them the other day, and I realized that we forgot to credit one of our Twitter followers who actually suggested that we watch Arrival. So, this is... It was Laura underscore S. Berry... 
And she sent us a whole list of suggestions, and Arrival was among them. And we forgot to credit you, Laura, when we recorded our episode on that. So apologies, but also thank you. Yeah, and during our episode with Anya, I believe, I made a joke about um, a ship being called Hiawatha because it sounded like something from Star Wars. And then it was pointed out to me on Twitter by, I think, Singstoat? At Singstoat? Is that who did it? I think so. That I'm actually just an asshole. And that is the name of an indigenous person to, I believe he was the co-founder of an important Iroquois thing. I looked it up afterwards and was like, oh, he was really important. I probably should have heard of him. So... I apologize about that. The Iroquois Confederacy is what it says, and that spanned parts of America and Canada, so I really have no excuse for not having any recognition of that word. But uh, I'm sorry that I made fun of that. All right. Um, We did have a little bit of Star Trek news this week, though uh, Star Trek Discovery news, it's actually Star Trek movie news. Uh, The studio officially said that there are two Star Trek movies in production, which kind of isn't new news because they'd announced like a while back the idea of doing a Star Trek movie that featured more about George Kirk. And then, of course, Quentin Tarantino also was talking about doing a movie. So they were just kind of confirming that both movies are in production. But the other bit of uh, new news is that they have selected S.J. Clarkson to direct Star Trek Four, according to a Variety news piece, and this will be the first woman to direct a Star Trek film. It is going to be set, this is the one that's going to be set in the Kelvin universe, and exciting to me personally, will feature George Kirk, and I believe Chris Hemsworth is confirmed, along with Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto. So good news, Chris Hemsworth. A little bit on the bad news, since Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto have confirmed as well, I think they're going to be doing like a time thing. They might just have cameos. Possibly. I don't know. We'll see. The other thing to point out is with the, if you're following the Star Trek movie pattern of like the even ones are better than the odd ones, this one is set to be not as good. When you include Galaxy Quest. Oh. So. Yeah, so that's the Star Trek news. Okay, so I guess we can talk about Farpoint Mm -hmm. now. So let's get into talking about the actual episode. What what were your initial thoughts? Um. Why would you hire someone who can't act next to Patrick Stewart? That was dumb. (laughs) And also, what, what, what? <laughs> there, that's my initial thought. Okay, so, who did you think couldn't act? The blonde lady. Every time she had to do any sort of talking or emoting, it was painful. Oh, it was painful. Oh, you mean uh, Tasha Yar, played by Denise Crosby? Sure, she can't uh, act. She can't. <laughs> She's all right. At least not not in this. Maybe this is her first acting job and she hasn't quite gotten there yet. 
But when you have her standing next to Patrick Stewart, who, you know, you can write him the worst drivel ever, and he can he can do it. Well, true. It, it, it was just like, why? Why? How did you get this job? <laughs> Everyone else was fine. But, yeah, she pained me. Yeah. From what I can recall, fans did also did not warm up to Tasha Yar universally. And she always had a lot of passion. So I oh. don't know that her performance ever would have warmed for you. But like, you know, her. Im- I didn't get. Passion. Well, do you know her very like her speech where she was like, you should be on your knees thanking these like. She she always yeah. sort of had moments like that. I figured she was yelling because she didn't know about emoti- emotions. Mm. Yeah, she's... I haven't seen her in much else. Uh, she was in a an episode of, like, a murder mystery. It might have been a Matlock episode. Oh, Jesus, there's a word I haven't heard in years. <laughs> but other than that, I haven't really seen her do much. So, yeah. I didn't like it. Of the three women who were in the crew, she was, I think, the only one not in a wig. <laughs> she definitely had my mom's haircut <laughs> from, from like, that time period. Well, my mom might still have that hair. <laughs> yes, I, I definitely remember that style of haircut. I think my mom had it at one point as well, but shorter. So. Yeah. Um, but I, I found her physically painful to watch. Okay. And right near the beginning, (laughs) Tiana Troy, (laughs) who I've always enjoyed, Mm -hmm. she says that far far point sounds so mysterious or something like that. I'm like, no, no, it doesn't. (laughs) That's an English word. It's called far point. It's. What the fuck are you talking about? It does not sound mysterious at all. It's it's just like a, a couple of nails, but together, like. Far point. Yeah, it's you, just it, I guess it's far, far away, away but you're in space. Everything's <laughs> far away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I hated everything to do with Q and that bullshit. But the actual story with the <laughs> planet that Farpoint was on, that was interesting. Wait, what? And okay, well go done. back. <laughs> I think you're wrong. <laughs> you hated everything to do with Q? Yeah. No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was stupid. Um, uh, were you not familiar with Q before this? Um, not really, but... Oh my gosh. Like, I know that he's a recurring character. Okay. But, like, that's about Mm -hmm. it. But no, all of that was really bad. Okay. We might have to do a new project and get all the Q episodes (laughs) added to our schedule. (laughs) Scrap our... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, series premiere and our pilot <laughs> and go with Q. I don't think I'm a, I am not a fan of some unknown holier than thou species deciding to pass judgment on us and then do it in the stupidest way possible. But he that's his that's his MO. This is the nemesis for a big part of Star Trek. Like he recurs, right? Okay. right? Like he, they have to no, face him that. multiple times. But imagine watching this. 
but if you are just watching this for the first time, as some of us Mm -hmm. were, you don't know that. He was just annoying. I don't understand why they didn't just say, fuck you. Well, they tried to, but I mean, he was very, very powerful. I, uh, why did he care? What, what was, what, what is his motivation? Well, probably to be annoying and to exercise his unlimited power. He succeeded, he succeeded at being annoying. He frequently does. He really does. Uh, But I think Q is an excellent villain. I always love the Q episodes. No. Mm. This episode would have been good without that. Okay, so those listening, now I want you to weigh in whether you love Q (laughs) or hate Q. Okay, but that's not fair, because probably our listeners have seen more of him than I have. I've literally just seen this, and in this episode in particular, the Q shit was dumb, and the interesting what the hell is going on at Farpoint stuff was actually well done. Well, I won't argue that the the what's going on at Farpoint stuff was well done, because I also enjoyed that aspect of it. (laughs) But I... Anytime Q showed up, I was like, can we get back to... The actual plot? Why are you here? So. Okay. If, if if I feel like you are bringing history to him when he currently has no history. It's hard for me to go back and remember how I felt about this when I first saw it. Also, I likely mm-hmm. did not see this. This might not have been my first exposure to Q. Yeah. So I might have seen other episodes with him and then gone back and seen this one i don't know so it's hard to say but he comes up multiple times he in some of the episodes in the future he brings a definite sense of whimsy but you can empathize with the star trek crews because they are always severely annoyed by him yes i can understand yes He is annoying. He succeeded at annoying. Oh, yes. But you enjoy that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because I think he makes a good nemesis. Like, how is he a nemesis? What is he trying to nemesis? Well, he's like, what is he? What is his motivate? What does he want? He's testing the human race because he can. Why? Because we're at. That is bullshit reason. Because we're a dangerous, savage child race. And if you look at our current situation Fuck him, on so Earth. So is he. <gasps> Sorry, I, I really hate okay. him. And I don't I don't enjoy villains who are like, I am here because I must villain. Mwahaha. Except annoying. That was actually pretty annoying, the way that I did that. So yeah. I mean he kinda thinks of himself as God. So Right, that, that's probably why I hate him. Yeah. But still, I do prefer villains to have wants. Like, in this one, there was a mysterious force torturing some dude, but then you found out why, and you were like, all right, I can get behind that. That's cool. Well, I mean, torture's not cool. You know but what I mean. What if, like, his want as a god of the universe is to get rid of what they see as something, get rid of something they see as dangerous? Like, he thinks... Then why isn't he getting rid of the Klingons? Why isn't he getting rid of anyone else? What? What? Why isn't he just killing everything? What makes us so much worse than everybody else? 
Absolutely nothing. Also, half the people that he, like, took to trial weren't human. Who was there? There was, well, okay, Data. Data. And Dana Troy, who's not all human. Well, that's true. They were just there. But, I mean, if you look at the events of Star Trek Discovery, we aren't really better than the Klingons. No, 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 I'm not saying we are. I'm just saying, why is he focusing on us? Maybe we wandered into his section of the universe. Far points, you know, a far way away. And it's very mysterious. Yes. Um, I was going to say, it sets up uh, the theme of Star Trek of the defense of the human race. So, like, sure. it's sure. showing how humanity, how far humanity has progressed is hard to do unless you're either explaining it to someone who is not as progressive, which can come across as um, condescending. Very much like Q. Yeah. Or they did it the other way where there is a condescending person and you are defending yourself to them. So we get to be portrayed as much more noble. I am fine with that. I think they could have done it better. Okay. I did like that Picard didn't try any, like, force to overcome Q. Yeah. So I thought he he handled the encounter smartly. I, I do think he did pretty much what I would have done. Right. And that just, like, ignored it and do what I do anyways. Cause... Yep. But which, anyways, I did not like you at all. I was going to say, the the part that looking back at this episode that I really cringed over was the way the mm-hmm. showrunners portrayed the time period of the trial, the post-atomic horror, which was mid-21st century. And mm-hmm. it had a very decidedly... Uh, Asian aesthetic and it's I I didn't go back through the scene to like really analyze it but it sort of somewhat felt a bit like what Firefly did co-opting certain parts of Asian culture and then Firefly didn't really have any Asian people in it yeah right and that's kind of a little bit how I felt they portrayed that one trial scene it just felt it felt like it, they would have done it better now. Well, I would hope. I don't have that much faith in people. Okay. So, let's talk about the part on the Farpoint station. Okay. Uh, that's the other problematic thing I noticed was that it was very, very, very white. Yes. Everything, all the people, white people. So, yes. Yeah, that was problematic. Even presumably what were aliens? Yes. Of course. They were also all just white folk who looked like human beings. Yep. Even though I think they were supposed to be not human beings. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they like they they didn't even try. Well, I mean they made them look a little different. They just clearly cast all white folks. Yeah. And Hmm, hmm. I liked meeting everybody. Yeah. That was fun. Other than Blonde Lady. I think God. it was the premise of it was neat because it gave them a real good excuse to like have everybody just basically say who they are and what they do. 
It's yeah, like because how they were all sort of meeting and yeah, that was it's like good. we're putting together a new crew and uh, I'm about to, you know, meet my first officer and. I do think it was strange that they had to go elsewhere to find a first officer. Like, in all of space, there was only one, and he was far away. Well, it's a new ship, so they're getting all their crew assembled. Yeah. And so they fed, they, somebody who wanted the job of first officer happened to be on another ship that was far away. So they managed to drop him off, and then they went to pick him up. Yeah. Yeah. So... I buy them. I like that there's no explanation for Data. He just is what he is. Yep. I mean, he gets an episode, uh, I think it's in the first season, that's his backstory. Oh, okay. That's cool. And... Because I'd be curious to know if, you know, uh, for lack of a better word, people like him are common. Right. In terms of production, it felt a little dated. Yeah, but it didn't feel terrible or anything. No, and part of it is like, I'm remembering Star Trek The Next Generation later on when they had better special effects budget and when they were maybe making some different decisions. Mm Because like, I don't remember there being like the shaky hand cam scenes so much. So there was a couple of them in the the pilot and they kind of caught me off guard Mm. and i don't really remember seeing anything and thinking oh god that's terrible you know it Mm -hmm. all seemed pretty like it was from the 80s but it didn't completely turn me off true and i loved how um when Riker did finally come on the ship and he was going to get like caught up to speed on what was going on Instead of, like, briefing Mm -hmm. him, they basically sat him down in front of a TV and played, like, a highlight reel. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to be fair, if somebody was like, this dude is testing us, like, how do you explain? (laughs) Well, true. How he's annoying, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, What did you think, how did you think of the characters does this match what you remember from other things you've seen of them? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. All right. That's that's all I got. Okay. Um, I guess for me, there was, like, I was reminded how they started off and how they, like, matured into the roles. And they felt so very new here. Like, I, there was a lot of command testing so like Picard was testing and challenging Riker to see what kind of officer he was and Riker was um, demanding more formality than he might otherwise and so yeah it was fun to see like them just starting out I do not remember that much nuance Mm. oh and then the other funny sort of uh, tech thing was when the ensign is basically showing Riker how to get directions around the ship, no. which seems so funny nowadays because people have like Alexa and Cortana and they just can like talk to their thing and ask for the weather. I'm <laughs> like, oh, well, n- nice. The Enterprise has one too. Yeah. It is. It, that is always the off putting thing about watching old sci fi because there was no way that they could predict where technology would actually go. That's right. It's like watching Alien, 
and seeing how the spaceship is run on like an old DOS operating system. <laughs> yes. And I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Why would you go into space with that? That's terrible. Well, people even pointed out in one of the first episodes of Discovery, um, Michael Burnham's compiling data for mm-hmm. uh, engineering, and it's like Windows code. And people are like, oh, they're running <laughs> this. And it's like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but that's just, like, you just have to sort of suspend your disbelief on that because... There is literally no way they can predict where technology is going to go. Right. Very true. In in fact, didn't, like, Star Trek influenced where technology went? Yes. um, Most definitely. So, like, that they definitely couldn't predict. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's all crazy. Yeah. What did you think about the romantic pairings they tried to introduce the only one they really hinted at was uh, Riker and Troy, right? Did you not see the eyes between Picard and Crusher? See, Did you not f- I don't know because I know about that one. Mm. So I don't know if I was just putting it on there, you know? Right. Because they barely spoke. That's true. And also, I don't really like that one. You don't really like Picard and Crusher? No. Not really. I mean, from what I remember, I might feel differently now, mm-hmm. but it really did anything for me. From what you saw in the episode, did you have like a favorite performance or a favorite character? Oh, Picard. Okay. Picard. Yeah. He's the only one who's like, give me all this sci-fi bullshit. I will make it Shakespeare. <laughs> okay. But yes. His favorite word was damn it. And damn... <laughs> Turn off that damn noise. <laughs> okay. I did like the bit where Wesley was sitting in his chair and then just started like actually reporting on what was going on. Yep. Yep. That was good. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why people don't like Wesley. What? Maybe that's later. You don't understand why people don't like Wesley? <laughs> no, I, I enjoyed that bit. That was funny. <laughs> He's just very like earnest and keen and Uh there are some people who he really rubs the wrong way i mostly enjoy wesley but i also can get why people didn't didn't enjoy his performance or didn't like his character i mean i only really remember well like this episode and then one where he has to take a test later on that's all i really remember about him Mm, okay so Oh, there was one time when him and Picard got stuck in an elevator or something. I remember that. Yeah, Picard gets stuck in an elevator full of children. Oh, I only remember him and Wesley. Oh, there might be another episode that you're thinking of where he and Wesley are trapped together. Yeah, I might be combining the two in my memory or something into an elevator. Yeah. For somebody who doesn't like children, Picard has to encounter this and, you know, grow several times. Honestly, when they had him out loud state that he needs help getting along with children, I thought that they might explore that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of like they were laying down the thesis there (laughs) for moving on. Yeah, and thinking about this and comparing it to Discovery so far, 
Mm-hmm. How do you think it compares for how well they've set up the crew and having sort of their, I don't know what I'm saying. How do you think it compares for having set up this crew with their mission? Well, it's hard to compare since like Discovery kept a lot of its mission secret for a lot of the early, that first episode. Right. And that was sort of the point. Uh, and, and while like their mission is just, well, let's go see what's out there. Right. Like their overarching mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Next Gen was basically like uh, Monster of the Week. Sort of. Yeah, I feel like Next Gen is basically the Doctor Who of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like just traveling around, finding what we can find. Gotcha. Gotcha. That comparison pains me a little. <laughs> Star Trek is the better Doctor Who. <laughs> Star Trek is better right. than Doctor Who. Put it that way. Okay, moving on. How do you think it compares in terms of like setting up the characters? Like introduced to the crew, finding out who they are, early chemistry sort of idea. I think I like Discovery better. Oh yeah? But I like the characters on Discovery better. Okay. And also next gen is more of a slow burn yes with with getting to know who everyone is and how they fit together and who's friends and that sort of thing while discovery had less time and so was less of a slow burn that's true also like in in next gen it's like a brand new crew coming together so it's like in that first episode you kind of get like the intros and the meets and you know everybody is seeing who everybody else is kind of idea and you could do that really easily because it was a new crew it was a everybody had to meet everybody and work together for Mm -hmm. this thing in discovery you kind of have that little bit of an intro where you meet some of the main people and then you have them like michael burnham come back into the middle of a crew yeah, a crew that already knows each other and works together. Yeah, and so, like, I mean, she could meet people and be introduced, but they all kind of knew who she was already because she was, well, notorious, notoriously famous for being a mutineer. And, yeah, so it just had a really different feel. And I don't, like, I think if you were remaking Star Trek, The Next Generation, it would feel contrived nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the trend is more towards plunging people into the middle of a situation. Yeah. I don't know. I can't remember the, like, other than Star Trek Discovery, I can't remember the last time I started a new show that was a big ensemble. Mm. Because every other show I can think of, you, like, start off with a character, and then, like, as the plot goes on, they pick people up. Yes. That's true. Like, yeah, so the last show I can remember that I think did start that way was Firefly. And because it took on passengers, it didn't feel too contrived. Right. Plus, they started Firefly in, like, with a crew established. Yeah. Like, it wasn't the crew meeting each other for the first time. It was this crew is meeting its passengers. And it's going to be forming this new crew. I know specifically in that one... Joss Whedon talked about how in the last show they'd started, which was Angel, they had 
like when writing it, they came across the problem of having sort of too small of an ensemble. So he specifically made Firefly with a bigger ensemble. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I'm about to start watching some Angel. So it starts with just the three characters oh. for a good long while. Okay. Good to know. Was there anything else you wanted to bring up about the pilot that you either liked or disliked or things that made you go, huh? Um, not really. I, I mean, I liked, I liked the space jellies. Yeah. Tentacles in space. I, I enjoy a good jellyfish anytime. Well, I have a hard time disagreeing with you there. Um, nothing else, really. Everything felt normal. I, I don't know. Felt like Star Trek. Felt like Star Trek? Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I hated Q. You hated Q and Tasha Yar. Yep. All right, then. Oh, and Blonde Lady. I said Tasha Yar. Oh. Sure. <laughs> that's, yep. that's Tasha Her. Yar. <laughs> She's terrible. Hmm. I, I would have been interested to see the character played by somebody who who didn't who didn't do what she did with the with the choices that actress made to not act. I believe, if memory serves me correctly, Marina Sirtis was originally trying out for that role. Who? Uh Counselor Troy. Oh was okay. originally trying out for the, the role of the security chief. Oh, but she's she's too much counselor Troy. Yeah. And also so. they apparently had some issues. Where did I hear this? I remember hearing that and was it Majel Barrett who basically talked to Marina Sirtis and said, uh, look, they the studio thinks they have too many women on this crew. So you have to make sure that you are sort of making yourself essential. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure you don't ruffle feathers. You have to, like, and basically gave some guidance to say, like, you know, you need to make sure that women are represented. Right. Which, when you think about it, with all the characters on Star Trek, they thought that three women was just too much. Yeah. That stinks. Yeah. Yeah. And even when I look back on it, I only remember the two. Even if more were introduced later, I only remember Troy and Crusher. There weren't any other permanent uh, women crew members introduced. There were several like recurring women characters who recurred for a limited time, but there weren't any other permanent ones added to the show. You know, that being said... There's really only the two permanent ones in Discovery, also. Yep. So that's shitty. Yep. Although, some of the other side characters might be made more main cast this season, coming up for Discovery. Yeah. We can hope. That will hopefully change. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, Kate, do you have any recommendations this week? Um, yes. I was gonna recommend Pi. Oh, that's a good recommendation. I can get fully behind that. I like pie. Uh, I like making pie. I like eating pie. I do not like apple pie. It is gross. But most other types of pie. Oh, so again, we're going to have to go back to that and explain how you're wrong. Because apple pie is delicious. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is. I like apples. And I like pie. 
But together? Do you like... I just don't like them. Do you like nutmeg? Yes, I do. And cinnamon? Yep. So I just don't understand how you can put all that together. I don't understand it it. either. I spent a long time doing a homemade apple pie that took a lot of work. And then I had a bite and I was like, nope. This is why for a really long time in my life I thought I didn't like pie. Because the only pie we ever had was apple. It is very, very common. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, A pie question for you. Mm -hmm. Is it pecan pie or pecan pie? Well, this isn't a pie question. This is a nut question. Well, yeah. Okay. Good point. And we didn't bring that up. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I was raised on pecan, but I have friends in Texas who will make fun of me if I say that. You say pecan? Yeah, I think for me, the more natural one is pecan. But anyways, I'm not a fan of nuts in pie anyways, so... My favorite is my pumpkin pie that I make. Mm. It's amazing, and it takes a lot of work because you can make you brown some butter and sugar, and you make caramel, and then you mix that in with all this, and it's so good. It's so good. It sounds delicious. I'm excited for September when I can start making pumpkin pies again. Mm, sounds good. It sounds very good. So, all right, pie. <laughs> what about you, Jen? <laughs> Do I have a recommendation? Yes. I was going to say you wrote one down this week, so I hope you do. Because <laughs> I just finished reading a book. Uh, so I was going to recommend people check out the author Maya Angelou. I just finished reading her uh, one of her autobiographical books called Mom and Me and Mom. And holy crap, has she had an exceptional life. Like, I was just blown away with how eventful it was and how much she lived through and all of the just incredible things that she did. And, Mm -hmm. um, like, she wrote screenplays, Mm -hmm. which I never knew. I don't think I knew that either. And, like, she talks about going to Sweden to work on a film she wrote. She doesn't say what film it is. She's just like, oh, you know, they were making... (laughs) I was working on this and talks about it in a completely different context and all these things. And there's even a Star Trek link here because she knew Nichelle Nichols. Oh, that's cool. I can see that. Yeah. So, and she, she mentions her in the book a few times. And so I actually, uh, when I was looking through goodreads for my next book i also realized that nichelle nichols has written an autobiography and i was like oh i'm gonna check that out one day but for today my recommendation is maya angelou who has written several autobiographical books works of poetry she even has some children's books which i want to check out and uh see if i can add some to the library for my kids so I'm trying to see what movies she did here. Or what one she wrote. But yeah, she did too much stuff. It's hard to tell where to find <laughs> She it. did so much stuff. Like, yeah. she, wa- she was a singer. Yeah. She, <laughs> like, she was a singer, a performer, a writer. Um, she also was a professor. And yeah. Had a very eventful and somewhat colorful and somewhat tragic and uh, horrific life. 
Yeah, I'm not actually a big fan of autobiographies because the ones that are interesting I find very stressful. And I like to read about fictional bad things happening to people. Right. I'm not a big fan of real bad things happening to people. Yes. Yes. This one has a few things in it that would definitely stress you out. But it's also focused a lot on, well, obviously by the title, her and her mother and uh, Mm -hmm. the relationship they had. So I don't think it would be as stressful as some of her other autobiographical pieces. But I can't speak to that because I haven't actually read the other ones. Right. I think this was the last thing she wrote, it looks like. Yes. Definitely her last autobiography. Yeah. And it's also... Her last thing she published. Right. Uh, It was also uh, Emma Watson, uh, you know, known as Hermione from Harry Potter films. I I know who Emma Watson is. Yeah. She did like a book club thing and Mm -hmm. um, she actually picked this book and would buy copies of them and leave them on uh, subways and subway stations for people to pick up and read. So, yeah. I wish I was rich and could do kooky shit like that. Yeah, I know. (sighs) To be rich and eccentric. It's the dream. (laughs) Well, I think I've got the eccentricities down. I just need the... But no, if you're not rich, you're just weird. <laughs> you know, to be eccentric, you have to be rich. <laughs> okay. Then I'm just the... You're just the poor, weird. Sorry. The poor person's copy of rich eccentric. Yeah. I'm just weird. Yep. Okay. I mean, me too. But it's very unfortunate is all I'm saying. All right. Well, I think the us weirdos are done for the day. <laughs> I think we are also. So thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments you would like to share, you can contact us at a command of her own at gmail.com or at command of her own on Twitter and Instagram.com slash a command of her own, where I actually just shared a picture of me enjoying tea from my Farpoint mug. And uh, is that the one? Does that have the Earl Grey? line on it because he did not ask for earl gray once in this episode uh he did not ask for earl gray but he does drink tea in this episode because i i made a when i made a note of it um uh let me see okay so just after uh like so they brief Riker, they put on that highlight mm-hmm. reel for him picard's like not mm-hmm. looking at him and then they go mm-hmm. to like the conference room and picard is having tea Okay. It's just before he says, I'm not a family man. Don't let me make an ass of myself. Very sweary. Oh, and how did I forget this? Did you see the cameo? I'm going to assume I did not. Because I have no idea what you're talking about. The really old admiral that Data was taking by shuttle. Oh, him. Okay, yeah, I saw that. I assume that was somebody. That's Bones. That's that's Dr. McCoy. Oh, why is he so old? Because like isn't he isn't he just a human? Yeah, medical technology in the future apparently can help us live long. He's 137 years old. Okay, I am all for this medical technology. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, sorry. Back to our sign off. <laughs> yes. 
Also, if people want to get in touch with us um, to give us suggestions for movies to watch on the hiatus or guest episodes, people to feature as a guest on the episode or things like that, uh, please feel free to get in touch with us for that as well. Uh, That reminds me, next week is my choice. Oh, yes. And I think we're going to mix things up completely and watch a teen drama sci-fi called The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. It's an anime, and it'll be fun. There's time travel. All right. Now I get to track this down. Yes. Yep. Good luck. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, So, yeah. Bye. Bye, everyone. Or bye. I've been Caitlin. I've been Jen. And now we say bye. 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 When you called yourself an asshole, I almost spit my tea. (laughs) With the... No, I can't make that joke work. (laughs) Okay. I was going to make a Marvel DC crossover joke with the Chris's, but it wasn't funny. Oh, yeah, because I guess Chris Pine is DC. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Do you think some dude in a Marvel office is just, like, disappointed that he couldn't complete the set? The Chris set? (laughs) Like, this is the Chris that got away.